HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. And welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Norberto Piatone and Henry Rich. So we gather around the smoldering embers emanating from Meta, a cozy wood fire restaurant that brings these two people to the kind of auspices of Nouveau Gaucho Cuisine in Brooklyn's Fort Greene. Now, Norberto and, and Henry work without gas creating an atmosphere lit up by menu highlights like slow-roasted lamb, smoked carrots, charred beets, short rib steaks with chimichurri, and a sweet potato dessert cooked in ash. Once the smoke clears, you'll find the gamut of complex and layered flavors developed through exploratory forms of fermentation, pickling and curing, constructing a whole new power source for their food and glowing aura. And so let's start at, at the most elemental thing that makes us humans, fire. What is this draw? Were either of you, you know, little arsonists growing up, uh, obsessed with batches and lighting the brush? Um, hi, Michael. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, basically, in, in my side, I, I grew up in, in South America and Argentina, where cook with fire is a normal thing. Uh, then you see since you've grown up, because your family or every family in every house have a fire pit. So basically, it's just normal uh, to see that that techniques of cooking with fire and get knowledge since you're really young about the flavors of chars and smoking and stuff in the grill. 
Yeah, was was this a similar upbringing? Did you have a hearth at your home, Henry? No, no, <laughs> I, I was an amateur arsonist. I think I uh, blew up a lighter when I was 14 and it <laughs> burned my eyebrows off. So, you know, working with uh, Norberto has been a dream. Yeah, but I mean, this whole cooking without gas... Uh, a lot of restaurants maybe do induction because of HVAC regulations or, or the sort, but it, it was very intentional to say no gas, only fire at this restaurant. Why was that? It basically was the idea um, using fire as a technique of cooking. Basically, you create, as you say, different uh, layers of flavors in food, and you can apply different techniques with the same fire, basically. Uh, we are no gas. We definitely have a electric oven and sun inductions uh, but our main focus is uh, use the fire for for bring uh, different layers of flavors in different vegetables and different meats than we use there it, i mean it is such a centerpiece when you walk in a meadow it, it just it it's beautiful and it, and it glows aside from you know being on that wonderful corner in fort green brooklyn with the light streaking in obviously people are attracted to the flame like a moth or the light like a moth um Henry, you have a few other restaurant projects you work in. What is this atmosphere that you try to create, and how do you lure diners to some kind of centerpiece? Um, well, mostly we just try to respect the neighborhood and um, try to try to take the cues that it offers. Um, certainly with Rucola, um, being able to open a restaurant on that corner in that historic neighborhood, a few blocks from you know where I first lived as a kid, was uh, you know that kind of formed this this concept of trying to make. You know, the perfect neighborhood restaurant, which, you know, in my mind was kind of rustic northern Italian. Um, with, uh, with Meta, my dream was that you might be able to see the glow of the fire from the park, um, kind of as you're, as you're walking down. So we're on that corner, and it's an open kitchen, and uh, the glass makes it extremely open to the neighborhood. So um, I really wanted people to, to see that warmth from far away and also kind of the ideas of transparency behind, behind the restaurant and the sourcing and everything we're doing. I think that even extends itself into the beverage program because June, one of your other restaurants, is all about pushing forwards natural wine, and there's a lot of transparency in that kind of beverage. Yeah, um, you know, I've I've always, uh, you know, my first job out of college was um, working in a wine store, and uh, I didn't know anything about natural wine at the time. Um, but but yeah, having June fully dedicated to that movement, um, it worked really well with the Meta program as well, um, with all the farms that Norberto is working with. Um, it's a lot of the same principles, also of kind of wild, spontaneous fermentation that we're using. Um, I mean, these, these are things that I've been kind of catching up on with the natural wine movement. So it, uh, the flavors, I think, work really well together, too. Some of the smokier flavors of natural wines and the food. Um, some of the more kind of wild acidities um, and some of the fermented foods that uh, Negro's making. Yeah, I mean, you grew up, I wouldn't say in the wild, but you grew up around your father's farm full of goats and different kinds of crops. Yes, I grew up uh, around my uh, grandfather's farm. He was a really good farmer, a really good cook, uh, a human who respected a lot um, nature. So I was in touch with uh, vegetable farming, with cow farming, with sheep farming uh, since I was really young. And I was able to pick up my own vegetables and try the different of wait, wait until he goes to sleep and nap and go steal the vegetables yeah. without <laughs> seeing him uh, doing it. And I would try everything that I call the strawberries and everything. Uh, so I was able to understand from where all the vegetables and all these things come from a farm and how hard it is to, to keep working in a farm also. 
Yeah, what was it about eating those things fresh? Was there a typical cuisine of where you were in Argentina? Like, is it gaucho cuisine? Is it something else? Basically, uh, in where I grew up in my family was a lot of, like, Italian and Spanish-influenced Mediterranean cuisine. Basically, it's our main uh, influence in general in Argentina. You have different regions you, where you have a little bit more German influence or European, but basically where I grew up with my family was a lot of, like, fresh food. Basically, it's, like, a lot of salads and having this... A farm with my grandfather it was I was able to try a lot of fresh fresh vegetables. Yeah, it must be nice to actually have an Italian restaurant in Rukla and then see somebody kind of reinterpret what your idea of Italy or the foods of Italy is uh, through a different country. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say everything we're we're doing at um, Meta builds on a lot of the same principles. I mean, part of the reason we went northern Italian with Rukla was I was really taken with um, the principles of the slow food movement. And uh, Norberto just kind of cooks that way, I feel like, you know, instinctively. Um, and not, you know, not being a part of any particular movement. It's just, uh, yeah, it's worked really well for us in Fort Green. Yeah. Because of this dissemination of Chef's Table and all, all this food media, yeah, you can't mention Francis Malman when we're talking about your resume. Of course. And... In that, you know, he, he has become this, this, not caricature, but larger-than-life creature of what he's created in Argentina. I know you worked for him in yep. Uruguay, right? Not in Argentina. Yes, I started to work with him in Mendoza, in his restaurant there in Argentina, but just for two, three months. And after that, they moved to Uruguay to, to work in Garzón. So what does it mean to work for somebody like that and then kind of come to such a small neighborhood in Brooklyn and, and be yourself there? I don't know. It's, it's, it was great work with him. It was a lot of experience uh, for me, and I cooked so many. Um, I learned all the techniques can he use uh, to use in fire. Um, then he basically took from ancestors in Argentina and kind of with his knowledge about cooking around the world, put together and create his own uh, his own food and his own scene of what he does. Um, as you say, definitely. Is 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 my resume? Uh, I have it on my back. I work with him. He become this huge uh, chef right now, where everybody's talking about it. Um, and definitely, it's a lot of people who sometimes believe that we're doing kind of Francis cuisine in Fort Green, but it's like completely far away from from his style of cooking. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I have on me all the techniques uh, of, of 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 cooking with fire. Then basically, I I. I had that knowledge because I grown up cooking with fire, but then I perfection a lot of stuff uh, working with him. Yeah, and it's amazing because I see that kind of journey through your resume and, and your stop at Bar Tartine, who, who are wonderful people, wonderful friends, and, and their advocacy for fermentation. And this collision of these two things, you know, live fire cooking and fermentation is just... I mean, I, I still haven't really formed... I have an idea of what I want to say, but I don't know the words because it's just a category all its its own right now. Yeah, basically, if if you take the two most elemental ways of cooking, uh, are fire and fermentation, because people it was preserving a food way uh, back when they don't have any fridge or any system to preserve food. So basically, they was finding all these different techniques and also using fire because they don't have gas. So basically, kind of put together what it was kitchen before. Uh, we have technology and electricity and gas and all the stuff. So I think it's just um, an inter reinterpretation of those two different uh, 
old ways of cooking and preserving food, just putting together in what the time we are right now. I mean, I, Henry, from a restaurant owner perspective, I, I think you must love fermentation because it helps food costs. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, there are challenges, but yeah, <laughs> um, you know, certainly a, a, a low um, to, uh, you know, hopefully on some days, no waste um, mentality is, is definitely in line with um, everything we're about there. Um, I was just going to say one of the best things that I did um, in opening Meadow was spending a week with Chef in Uruguay, uh, going around to all of his different favorite restaurants down there. And um, I really, um, you know, got a sense of, of kind of the broader context of, of that uh, country's cuisine and also the whole kind of like De La Plata, you know, area. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are your favorite restaurants down there and why? Oh, in, in, in Uruguay, my, one of my favorite restaurants is La Huella. It's this restaurant that is in Jose Ignacio. Then it's in the beach. It's like a dream. The food is great. You walk to the beach after eat, basically. Uh, that probably is one of my favorite places um, in Uruguay. Uh, Argentina, I have my favorite places in Buenos Aires. Like It's a pizza place called El Cuartito. Then it's like a classic pizza place, and it's been there for many years. And then some, obviously, parrilladas, where you just get and eat all what you can. Uh, then are in San Telmo and different places of Buenos Aires. So it sounds like you want both location and neighborhood. And I, I know you're kind of using as, uh, you know, Fort Greene Park as maybe, let's call it your beach. But then, you know, you want a local joint as well. How, how do you develop a restaurant or a following that kind of is both a destination but also ingrained in that neighborhood? Uh, that's the challenge. <laughs> um, There's the rub. Yeah, you know, we, we try to uh, remain extremely warm and hospitable and, um, you know, have policies that, uh, you know, make room for the neighborhood. So you, you try to keep your prices um, within reach. And uh, um, we have most of the dining room um, available for walk-ins, um, you know, every night of the week. We take res some reservations, but, um, you know, we try to do as much as we can to uh, preference everyone that lives within a block. Because, as I know from, from Rucola, that, that really is. Those are the people that stay with you year after year. And um, you need to make them happy first and foremost. Well, I live right by Rucola, and that makes me very happy. What makes me unhappy is that Meta is so far away now. <laughs> but I'm bringing myself closer and closer to it. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Buddhist concept of vanilla benevolence. You've been listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. We'll be right back. Heritage Foods USA is a farm-to-table online butcher and founding sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Foods got its start when Patrick Martin's first stepped foot onto Frank Reese's Kansas farm in 2001. Back then, Frank was the only farmer in America raising true heritage turkeys with recorded lineages tracing back more than 150 years. Patrick knew instantly he'd found a unique moment, an opportunity to go beyond acknowledging these breeds as being jeopardized and to actually do something to save them. Patrick asked Frank to ramp up production and made a promise to him that if he would raise them, Heritage Foods USA would sell them. 
That was the moment that Heritage Foods' slogan, Eat em to Save em, was born. By creating a market for delicious meats from Heritage Breeds, we can ensure they'll be around for generations to come. Plus, Heritage Breeds just tastes a whole lot better. Learn more at HeritageFoodsUSA.com and use the code HERITAGERADIO for two free pork chops with your first order, brother. Hey, and welcome back to the Food Scene Heritage Radio Network.org. Here today with Niberto and Henry of Meta. What is Meta? Is Meta Meta? <laughs> <laughs> two T's and a macaron over the A. Yeah. Uh, uh, meta um, is a form of uh, loving kindness meditation that um, uh, I, I went on a, a 10 day silent ret- uh, Vipassana retreat, and after 10 days of uh, you know, kind of your ego being flattened and then rebuilding itself. Um, on the 11th day, they teach you uh, this way of kind of um, sending kindness out into the world. And you think of everybody you know, and you think warm, loving thoughts. And it sounds a little silly, but um, it feels incredible. And that, that felt like a perfect analogy for, for hospitality and uh, what we're trying to do in that restaurant, the, the way that we're trying to treat our guests. Yeah, so. I mean, I think a lot of hospitality uh, is healing, too. And in looking at your menu, I, I had one of the non-alcoholic, you know, cocktails, and you have ashwagandha in it, um, you know, Ayurvedic healing, and and that's what Meta kind of feels like. It feels like a place to not only come and enjoy, but a, come and release something. D- does it feel that same way? I know you have to work there all the time, but does it feel that same way to you? Does it does, does it feel a little bit? And basically, one of the things, and I strongly believe in this, the food is is very important, not just as feel like full and, and, and happy if not it's uh, pretty influential in your in your health and whatever you eat is going to make just your life better if you eat the right things and I was in, I'm, I'm starting like over a year already investigating like example ashwagandha and the use of chaga reishi mushrooms and different medicinal herbs and all around then I've been trying to incorporate to to food so basically that is, 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 is part also of, of the name. It's like we try to take care of the people who are sitting there and not just putting some food in a plate and then we believe then, then it's good enough. If not, then it's also bring you um, vitamins, minerals, and stuff that all we need to, to be strong and alive. You know, I, you also get that sense and feeling from the space itself. It's, it's wonderfully designed by Home Studio, but was there a specific kind of format or layout in mind? Well, you know, Chef and I just took a bunch of pictures when we were down in uh, Uruguay and, you know, found some other images. And we had a pretty clear idea that we wanted the space to be open um, and we wanted to be able to be people to see the fire and um, have the chef's counter where um, people could, you know, see them working. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a great experience working, uh, working with home, um, work with them at June as well. And, and they really they helped us kind of realize the vision for this Argentine farmhouse, basically, um, but but appropriate for the neighborhood. So, and appropriate for 2017. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did, I mean, does it look like your house growing up? Um, not really. <laughs> I, I, I randomly grew up in a city that was prefabricated because the city where my family grew up is was underwater after a press was built in the Uruguay River. So I grew up like in a modern city mm-hmm. look all the same yeah no that's not well, and it, that's what's so lovely about meta too is that it's so distinctly different it yeah. doesn't stick out like a sore thumb in any way you you did such a wonderful job organically integrating it into again that neighborhood and transporting us 
Because when you sit down to eat, I mean, I, again, I'm still confounded as to what to say. Because this collision of fire and fermentation is unlike anything I had ever really had before. But you realize that a wood fire oven isn't just about the flame. You know, it's, it's about embers and ash and smoke and those elements. So uh, how much wood do you go through? And how do you kind of sustain the idea of using that much wood to impart flavors in different ways? So definitely we, 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 we burn wood. It's not that we... Uh, but uh, we are pretty um, focusing how much um, uh, wood and charcoal we burn every week. We try to keep it as slow as possible. Uh, definitely the way we use, we start the fire, I would say, at 10 p.m. Uh, 10 p.m. in the morning. Uh, and by 10.30, we have some chickens and some pork butts and some lamb uh, legs hanging around the fire. So we're basically using the radiant heat from the, from the flame to slow roast uh, those proteins. Um, at the same time, we are creating uh, embers. Then we use those embers to uh, char the heart that we use for the carpaccio. Uh, we use the embers to heat the plancha where we char the beets. Uh, they go in the dish. Uh, also, we char in some cabbage over there that we use using for the cucumber salad. Uh, basically, it's like the whole fire pit and the whole heart have that middle fire going on, but then the, the, the coals then are... Uh, dropping from the box are moving around to use as a, as a radiant heat and then the radiant heat then come from the flame is being used to use uh, to cook those uh, proteins that are around then the ashes that are hot are used to cook the, um, the sweet potatoes for the dessert and then the ashes that are completely cold and shift and use as a base for the oysters yeah. mixed with water so basically it's just we breaking down in pieces all the different the different sources of heat that we have. But but this is like the least a la minute restaurant I've ever seen. I mean, like, to do a pickup, you're like, wait, I have to go back to 10 a.m. and start the process over again. But you've, you you taste that time. Yeah, definitely. You, it's, it's, what I say to everybody when I'm training in, in, in fire, you can not control the, the fire completely. The fire is like our own life, and sometimes could be just day by day different. So it's, a, it's something that you have to feel uh, the heat, you have to feel, you have to be looking when you're cooking something until you are knowledge enough to kind of step out and say, okay, now I can leave these sweet potatoes and I will come back in an hour, 45 minutes, and they will be ready. But that is the knowledge that you have to... And as you said before, you have to keep retraining yourself what is fire about because could be different every yeah. day. Well, I also, reading that menu, you have this wonderful slow-roasted lamb in, in, like, lettuce cups. But then you also have a crispy lamb with, like, a sour soup. Is the crispy lamb just the slow-roasted lamb that gets overcooked? No. <laughs> it's a different, complete uh, just technique. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's a good question. Uh, so, basically, the, the, the crispy lamb then go in the soup is a lamb neck. Then it's searing the plancha uh, in, the, in the heart. Then it's just a slow braise until it's really tender. We pull it apart, and when we just make it crispy in a cast iron skillet. Yeah, I mean, that soup, again, you, you left me without words for a lot of the dishes that happen at this restaurant. Because that soup, in Argentina, you'll have a, a piece of protein roasted to perfection, but you won't have that foil. You won't have that sourness. No. Why do you do that? <laughs> that is just because the the, the, the food that I was supposed to, supposed to eat and uh, all the food that I was learning out of, of my country. And um, basically, at Meta, we don't follow strict, strictly any 
cuisine from any country. We just create the stuff for what we like. And basically it was like an influence of eating a Polish sour soup, you know, like a pickled Polish soup, and then try that sour flavor and that funkiness. It's like, I would like to eat this with like a braised brisket or something like that, you know, because you need kind of that fat to kind of cut the sourness. And that's how we create that sour soup in, in, in Meta, just yeah. combining two cuisines and different flavors. I, I would say the third uh, thing that Chef threw in there, in addition to fire and fermentation, is just all of the medicinal, like actually medicinal things like ashwagandha and chaga and elecampane, things that I've had, you know, in the morning as tea, but I would never have thought to put it in a cocktail or a dessert. And those flavor profiles are, are really interesting and not things that I've had elsewhere. And that's really cool, too, to have, you know, uh, one of these medicinal things in your dessert so you can actually feel fine about eating it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I felt fine about eating everything there. And I will come back and have as much tanato as you're willing to serve me. Um, but again, like preservation or these fermentation techniques also goes into that pharmacopoeia. Um, and, yeah. you know, we, we separated that at some point in, in kind of American cuisine. And we're only starting to see that, you know, like soda fountain pharmacy-esque idea that food is also medicine yeah. come yeah. back in the restaurant. Yes. I mean, the word microbiome was invented like 15 years ago, yeah. something like that. So, yeah, and a lot of the beginning. All the lacto-fermented techniques have a lot of uh, probiotics on it. and so basically what you get in kombucha and yogurts and different things and then everybody's eat normally. Honestly, the best preparation for opening this restaurant with, with Chef was opening June, probably, and learning more about um, all of the benefits of, you know, um, doing away with the machines, going with the indigenous yeasts, and um, you know everything that's in natural wine. So yeah, it's, so Taraja Morel, who's a partner, uh, has been on this show and also spoken the gospel of natural wines. And I know there's been a lot of flack of, of writers saying something about, oh, who cares about that? Just drink what you like. It matters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially for some people that are you know sensitive to sulfites and um, maybe trying to you know, replenish their microbiome, or maybe they have some condition they don't totally understand, but they feel better when they, when they eat food with uh, probiotic content. So, um, yeah, no, it definitely matters for me. I can, you know, drink more natural wine and feel, feel better. <laughs> and that, that's say. the most important thing too, yeah. being able to drink more. But, you know, uh, again, back to this healing thing, like Norberto, you were saying, you know, it's not about just making someone feel full. It's yeah. about making somebody feel full in a different way. Um, have you kind of shifted the way you think about the menu now that you're getting more and more into this kind of healing property of food and meta? Definitely shifting a little bit, uh, not that much because um, I, I I know the strict vegetarian or anything like that. I eat everything. I consider that if come from a good source, it's going to be good for you if you eat responsibly. Uh, but definitely, is changed myself. I, I quit drinking more than a year ago, and I'm into the healing part and kind of don't take any medicines also. Um, so it's challenging and it's really fun for me to start to incorporate these kind of medicines and different herbs and different roots in different uh, different things in, in, in the menu, you know? kind of. Now we just put um, a new chocolate dessert. Uh, they have a chocolate crumble with reishi, mushrooms and they have a granita with a uh, holy basil or tulsi so it's like super food dessert yeah it's, yeah and it's really good yeah so somebody called us the other day saying that he, 
couldn't sleep after the dessert because it was so much energy. Then she asked, <laughs> she called back to ask what it was there so she can have it for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. amazing. <laughs> well, you just got to flip your schedule and start at 10 p.m. for slow roasting those chickens. Yeah. But, you know, it would be so amazing how people say oh, you have a cold, eat chicken soup for someone someday. Oh, you have this ailment, eat chimichurri. Yeah. I mean, if it was as simple as following a recipe uh, that both sated you as well as healed you, you know, that, that that would be the idyllic way of having not only a restaurant, but kind of eating for life. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in, the, in, in Asian cuisine, Chinese uh, do a lot of stuff like that. They basically create a dish thinking in what they put in there and what is beneficial for you. I think the separation of eating for pleasure and eating for health um, it's just, you know, it's been totally unnecessary. You know, I'll have this super healthy thing in the morning and then like a gigantic unhealthy sandwich for lunch. And I don't know, I've stopped bifurcating my eating like that mm -hmm. since meeting Chef. And again, coming to a restaurant that has such a kind of diverse and fascinating menu of, of flavor and texture, it also gives you time to kind of contemplate and sit. So you're not just eating to eat, to fill up. Uh, I remember even the porgy crudo. Um, what was it? Charred or fermented? Uh, Charred fermented rams and preserved ajidulces. Yeah, it's little elements like that with the smoked carrots. It was creme fraiche or with the oh no, it was a green sauce and farmer's cheese. Like, yeah, there there are so many layers to everything that you sit there and your first bite's usually like, what the fuck did I just eat? What is this? And then you're like. Oh, my God. Like, I kind of know some of these things compartmentalized, but it all comes together, kind of like how we're trying to push, again, eating and healing together. It, and then you feel one with it. Yeah, completely. That is, that is the, the whole idea, the whole point, what we're trying to achieve and create over there in the menu. It's definitely eating for pleasure, but also because you're eating for your, for your health, for yourself, to feel better after eating, not just food. Well, I think everyone has to go experience this for themselves. And obviously, you know, any seat is wonderful in this house. But go sit at a chef's counter with that fire, with that flame, with that hearth in front of you and, and feel better. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely all these come to be completely transparent. You know, that's because we have an open kitchen uh, because... We don't want to hide anything. Just we want to be transparent. And we want to show to people what we what we're doing there, and they can enjoy it. Yeah, and you do it so well. Thank you both. I hope to be back to Meta soon. Thank you. And you've Please. been listening to the Food Scene on Heritage Radio Network .org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkell. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at three. Big thank you to Heritage Foods USA. And you know there is that offer about pork chops. So order as as, as quickly as you can. Music by Cookies and David Tadashore Engineering. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. 
Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.